Well, maybe you're just walking into the service. We just want to welcome everybody to Spruce Grove Community Church. You know, just as we're singing this song, I'm just reminded we came here on Wednesday night for a time of prayer. And uh, we spent a lot of time declaring who Jesus was. And the one thing that came to my mind over and over and over again on Wednesday night was that He's our everything. That right now, whatever you need, that's who He is. Whatever it is, that's the God we serve. He is everything right now. So this morning as we go into worship, the Word says very clearly that if we draw close to the Father, that He will draw close to us. That if we seek first the kingdom and all of those things, that He will answer our prayers. So this morning as we come together as a body, whether it's your first time or your hundredth time here, this morning we choose to draw close to the Father. So Father God, this morning as we come into this place, Father, we choose to lay down those things, those distractions, those things that might get in the way. Because, Father, you truly are everything we need right now at this moment. And, Father, we can come and present everything at your altar. And right now, in a matter of seconds, you take those things away. And, Father, you are a faithful God. And so today we choose to come into the house of God and to worship you because you are a good God. And so, Father, this morning, we just stretch our hands out to you and say, Jesus... We choose you this morning. We choose you, Father. We choose to honor you, and we choose to worship you this day. So let's do that. Let's worship our God. Thank you, Jesus. Just in this presence, I want to read a little bit of Psalms 42. This morning I read this, and I just feel it's really fitting right now. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon the rock, making my footsteps firm. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders which Thou hast done, and Thy thoughts towards us. There is none to compare with Thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Father, that is who You are. That is who You are, God. Too numerous to count. That's the God we serve. Too numerous to count, Father God. That's the God we serve. Yes, Lord. You do deserve the glory, Father. Let's just declare that right now. You deserve the glory, Father. You know, Derek came up to me in the middle of worship this morning. He just said these words to me about our nation. Is this land is your land. We need to declare that today. Because this land is his land. This land is His land. Amen? In the midst of all this stuff going on right now, this land is His land. In Jesus' name, this land is your land, Father God. And Father God, right now on Canada Day, we lift up the nation of Canada. We lift up our Prime Minister, God. Father, we pray for salvation to come into the heart of our Prime Minister. 
Father God, we pray, as Ken said, for every province. Father God, we pray for every mayor. Father, we pray for every single person in authority. Father, this land is your land. We declare that in Jesus' name, Father God. This land is your land. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the same way that the First Nations have a right to certain pieces of land, and so if an oil company wants to build a pipeline through there, the oil company has to come to them and apply and say, we would like to cross your land. Would you give us permission? In the same way we say this is God's land. And the things that are happening on this land cannot happen without God's permission. And so we take that place of authority in this land this morning. And we say these things are happening illegally. These groups that are operating, whatever it may be, in whatever sphere it may be, this is happening illegally. And we say that this land is God's land. We say this belongs to God. And you cannot operate here. You cannot have rights here. You cannot have authorities here. Let's take it small to the things that are happening in Spruce Grove right now. In certain spheres, things that should not be happening. We say these things cannot be happening. These things cannot be happening. These things cannot be happening. This is illegal activity. And as the church of God, we say that this land is God's land. And these things are illegal. And we take back the authority of God in Spruce Grove this morning. We take back the authority of God in our personal lives. We take back the authority of God in our families. We take back the authority of God in every sphere, in our work sphere, in our community sphere. In these spheres, we take back the authority of God. And we say in every way that we can possibly say it, this land is your land. So let's declare that together. Simple words, this land is your land, right? On the count of three, one, two, three, this land is your land. One more time, one, two, three, this land is your land. So today, God, on Canada Day, I pray that it would be different. I pray for salvations to take place in this land today, Father God. I pray that the celebrations we have would be for what the Lord has done. So we give this day to you in Jesus' name, God. Amen. Can everybody say amen? Amen. 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 And so now I have the privilege of introducing uh, a guy named Garth Coster. His talking to Garth this morning is kind of funny because every time I see Garth, it brings back all of my childhood memories. And then I'm reminded that uh, when I got saved, it feels like it was 10 years ago, when I was 17, and then we were talking today going, well, I was 29 years ago. It was a long time ago, and I still remember, just after I got saved, one of the first houses that I went into with Garth, was Garth Coster's house. I went into his house with Archie Binney, and uh, they just hired on a youth pastor back then named Ross Brown, who was very instrumental in guiding me and mentoring me and equipping me as a young man. And Garth was one of those guys, too. He's only, what, you're seven years older than me or something like that? Ten years older than me. And so he was one of those guys that chose to mentor us, uh, young adults. And uh, he's truly been a blessing to this church. His father's been a blessing to his church. His mom was a blessing to this church as well. 
And we are just so thankful for the Coster family and the heritage that you've left in this church and how you have blessed this church in so many ways. And here we are, I don't know, 30-some years later. And I get to stand here because you were part of that. And, uh, and there's many others in this room that I know have been blessed because of your family just being part of this church. And so it's an honor and a privilege to have Garth speaking today. Let's welcome him. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking about all the times in this place. I remember the orange pews. <laughs> That's a while. And I was thinking about all that God did in my life through this place. You know, I grew up as a missionary's kid. <laughs> I mean, most of you know my dad. He'll never, he won't stop preaching now. He wants, he's 84 as of June the 20th. And his, his goal is to die in the pulpit. <laughs> Wherever they let him, whenever they let him. Do you know what? One of the things God has been working in us, I'm from way north. The true north, strong and free, like I'm seven hours north of here. We are surrounded by First Nations. We live in a little town of 35, 3,600 people. There's 50,000 First Nations within an hour of where we live. Our heart is to see a move in our First Nations. We've seen a trickle in the last, I mean, I've been up there eight years. We've seen a trickle in the last number of years. It's not been an easy place because you know what? A lot of our First Nations are inoculated to the gospel. They got a little bit. They got just enough to think, well, I know what that's all about. But they don't know the power of it. But we're starting to see a trickle. We're starting to see a trickle. About a year and a half ago, we had a lady come in, and the ladies in our fellowship prayed for her, and God healed her of AIDS. She came back the next week said, there's no more AIDS in my life. We had a guy go into anaphylactic shock out in front of our building one night, and we're, I'm getting ready to call the, call the ambulance, but the people are praying for him, and he got healed right then and there. That's what God is doing. There's a reality to what God is doing. And I've been praying, saying, Lord, show me what it means to function as a son of God. Because you know what? I don't want to be any less than that. I want to function as a son. I've been meditating on Romans chapter 8, at the end of Romans chapter 8, where it says all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. And I know that there's not many people that function as sons of God. Because what does that mean? That means these signs shall follow those who believe. When you begin to function as a son, these signs shall follow those who believe. I find myself praying differently. I don't have to go to God and beg him that he might heal somebody. Because you know what? My God is a healing God. I don't have to go beg him, oh Lord, will you please? No. I have an authority as the son to command the sickness to leave. And we're praying differently. I had a lady walk into our, our store. We run a little secondhand store. And this lady comes in. And we got to talking with her. And she's got rashes all over her arms. And she said, I don't know what to do about it. Well, will you let us pray for it? It was gone. The next day she comes back. Can I bring more people here? <laughs> That's what God does. That's what God does. 
That's what God does. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Do you know that he has a plan and a, and a, and a purpose for you? You know, we get, we get believing what the world says about us. No. You know, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. That's not who God says you are. I just want to read you a quote. And this is something that God has been revealing in my life. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond all measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? We are born to make manifest the glory of God within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we begin to function in the freedom that God has given us, as we begin to function in who he created us to be, we are set free, but those around us are free to be who they are too. You know, in the church, even as leadership, we are not called to lord it over people. I was saying to Chris earlier, that's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, where they stand up and say, look at me and have your relationship with God through me. That's not what it's about. It's about us individually having a relationship with God. Why is that? Because that's what he died for. To have relationship with his people. And I was sitting on the step last night and saying, God, what are you saying to these people? What are you saying? What's your word? I've been meditating on it with them all week. When I go, I go, I ride. I like riding my bike. I've got almost 100,000 kilometers on my motorbike. And I love it. And I'm on my bike now and I will be for the next month. But when I ride, you know why? Because I can't answer my phone. I can't hear much else because it's a little noisy. But I spend time with my father. And I ride down the road. She called it. And I'll do that for hours. I don't close my eyes often, though. <laughs> but I'll do that for hours. Do you know what? He desires relationship with you. You can look and say, oh, well, I want to see this happen in my life. I want to see miracles. Well, that's all great. But you know what? That's just a side effect. That's just a side effect. I said once, you know, the Bible says these signs shall follow those who believe, not the other way around. Those who believe shall not follow these signs. No. When we function as sons, we begin to walk in a dynamic where things start to change in our life. Let me give you an example. I had a lady walk into our store, and this has been an amazing outreach. It doesn't make any money, man. I'm just praying that God will begin to release that as well. But it's been an amazing outreach. But this lady walks in one day, and she said, she looks at me and goes, I had to come in and meet you. I said, oh, okay. That's an interesting introduction. I said, why? She said, I saw you walking down the road one day, and you were covered by a great big white aura, and you were carrying a great big white shield. I thought, I like that imagery. That's cool. And she said, I'm an Indian shaman. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, a lot of people, oh, well, red flag, red flag. Oh, well, I don't know how to deal with this. But you know what? God gives us an authority there. And I said, well, that's kind of neat. And we got to talking, and she's searching the light. And I said, okay, well, what does that look like in you? So I spent about three months communicating with her, talking with her, sharing the light with her, bringing the light into her. Actually, one of the first things we did, um, we minister out in Rainbow Lake every Sunday morning. And so she said, I got this problem next door to me. There's a darkness in the property that I cannot remove. 
I said, cool, we'll come deal with that. I'm sometimes, you know. So we went the next Sunday afternoon. We went over there, and we prayed over the property, and she saw the darkness leave. My wife said, I didn't see a thing because I'm not wired that way. But my wife saw the darkness leave. She saw the darkness leave. The darkness has left. So a couple weeks later, I get a call from her. We're driving down to Edmonton. She said, I don't know what's going on, but Jesus keeps showing up in my house. And I said, well, what does that look like? Well, the first time it happened, she said, he showed up in my house, and my kids were playing with a Ouija board, and he said, no, that's, that's black, that's darkness. You want the light, not darkness. So she said, I had to take it out in the back and burn it. See, you know what? When Jesus gets a hold of people, you don't have to teach them this stuff. They learn it because they're in touch with him. It's not our works. It's not my convert. No. You know what? I learned something. The Bible says, go you into all the world and make disciples. That's different than making converts. I'm not the one responsible for making converts. That's the Holy Spirit's work in someone's life to draw them. My responsibility is to walk with people and share what God has done in me in their lives. But this lady, about five weeks ago, gave her heart to the Lord and brought along two others with her in the same you know, God showed me when I first met her that she's a linchpin in the community. That she'll be somebody who brings people. And we still pray for her. Her name's April. Pray for her because, you know what, she, she realizes that responsibility in herself. She is one of the most spiritually sensitive people I've ever met. But she has, she has a calling in that community. She's lived there all her life. What an amazing God we serve. So I was reading the other day, and I just want to share this with you. His word says, my sheep hear my voice. So if you are not hearing his voice, I used to say to my youth group in Cranbrook, I said, if you don't hear his voice, get down on your knees until you hear his voice. Because you know what? You need to hear his voice. If you don't hear his voice, there's something wrong with the relationship. If you don't hear his voice, you've got to hear what he's saying. You've got to hear what he's saying. I mean, I love walking through my life, as Paul said, be in prayer, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That means I'm continually connected with my father. And I'm having a running, ongoing conversation with him. Do you know what? He cares. I ask him, do you like my hair this way? <laughs> Lord, what are you saying to your people? Lord, what are you doing in this place? Guide my footsteps. Show me how to walk because you know what? I don't know how to do this on my own. You know, he gets me into situations because I submit to him. And I'll look at it and think, I'll look back on it and think, how did that ever happen? I mean, we ended up in South Africa in February. I mean, it's really interesting because... The last couple of years, it's, it, we've given our lives up there, but it's been, a, it's been a struggle. I mean, the economic situation up in the north is not nice right now. But we ended up in South Africa. You know, it was an adventure. 20, 20, we were there for 22 days, 24 services. And it came out just, you know what, God is good. There's so much going on. But there was an authority there. I don't know if anybody ever heard of Spirit Word Ministries from South Africa. The fellow's name was Kobus Van Rensburg. He was the prophet there. He died about four years ago. 
But amazing, amazing. I mean, walk into this place. It's six. It seats six thousand. That's more than our town. It seats six thousand. Along the walls are are paraphernalia of people who have been healed there. They had almost twenty documented people who were raised from the dead in that place. And I'm thinking, Lord, I want some of that. I want to see that released in Canada. It's beginning to be, you know. It's beginning to be. I want to see that released in Canada. So we spent, we spent some time there, and, and I just, I mean, I shake my head at it. How do you do that, Lord? No money, and we go. Okay, that's how you do it. John 10, let's turn there. I just want to read some scripture to you, because you know what? I want to preach him crucified. I want to preach his word. I want you to know his word. He, had, he gave me a blessed time about 10, 12 years ago. The Holy Spirit nailed me because I was, I was driving a lot at that point, and I was driving along, and I would listen to books on cassette. And the Holy Spirit nailed me one day, you need to listen to my word. So for four years, I listened to his word on CD, I don't remember. But I'd go through the Bible every couple of weeks, and there was something that was released in me as a result of it. John 10.1 says this, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, is the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Who's the shepherd? That's not a man, that's Jesus. Who's the shepherd? Who do we have relationship with? He leads us and we hear his voice. And we walk according to what his voice says. Because we can be misled otherwise. But when you know him, do you know him? Do you know him and begin to recognize who you are in Christ Jesus? I saw humility defined as this. Two dynamics. Number one is recognizing who you'd be without him. Because I am nothing without him. I am nothing without him, but also recognizing who you are in him. Do you know who you are in him? In him I live and I move and I have my being. Do you know who you are in him? One of my favorite scriptures is Matthew 5 where it talks about, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. A while ago I came across... uh, um, a friend of mine, actually a guy I met a long time ago, his name was Russell Stendhal, and he was a, Bible, a Wycliffe Bible translator. And I just love him because he just has the word. I mean, he's putting it into different languages. But he brings out that word meek. And, and you know, sometimes we get a misconception of what meek looks like. Meek does not look weak. He said that the word meek, the root word in the Greek, is very similar to the word that they use for their war horses. Blessed are the meek. A war horse goes into battle with his rider on him, and the rider, every nuance of the rider's movement, the war horse responds to. When we function that way, responding to the Holy Spirit in our lives with that kind of sensitivity, that sensitivity doesn't happen overnight, but it's built in our lives when we respond to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many of you have heard the Holy Spirit and then not responded correctly. Yeah. Don't stop. 
How many of you have prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? Don't stop. Why? Because he's growing us as well. He's growing us into sons and daughters of the king. Blessed are the meek. We were sensitive to his Holy Spirit. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? Walk in it. Walk in it with boldness. You know what he said? If you ask anything in my name, it will be done. Anything in my name will be done. Do we walk in that kind of authority? Now, let's think back to Canada. Let's remember that in, in um, Psalm. Do you, know where the, do you know where the dominion of Canada came from? In Psalms it says, and he shall give dominion from sea to shining sea. There's an authority that we do not walk in that he wants us to walk in. I mean, you were mentioning the authority this morning. There is an authority that we need to walk in as Christians. A boldness that we need to walk in. We can boldly go before the throne of grace. We can walk into that. There is an authority that he's given, but we need to learn about authority. I love the picture. Do you remember the picture? The centurion comes to Jesus. says, will you heal my servant? Jesus said, yes, I'll come to your house. But the centurion says, no, 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 you don't need to come to my house. I live as a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. I live as a man under authority. All you have to do is say the word, and he'll be healed. And Jesus responded to that. Greater faith have I not seen in all of Israel. And I'm thinking there's got to be something there. When Jesus says greater, there's got to be something there. There's got to be something there. I want to live under and in that kind of authority. What if we begin to walk into our communities? We see somebody suffering pain. We see somebody in a cast. And we start to go and pray for them. But what if they're not healed? That's not your responsibility. No, your responsibility is to love them. But what if they did something and this is just their their punishment? Well, no, that's not for you to judge. It says judge not that you be not judged. Walk in the love that God gives us. And we can't do that with our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit's love to flow through us. You know what? I can't even love my wife without his love flowing through me. Because when I love my wife with anything different than his love, I put conditions to it. When I love the community around me with anything but his love, I put conditions to it. But his love has no conditions. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. For God so loved, I mean, everybody knows that. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's his love. Hear his voice. Hear what he's saying. And we walk in that. I had a guy come do the keys in our place. And he was walking along really slowly. He was so hurting. You know what? People won't refuse prayer. I have yet to meet somebody that said, no, don't pray for me. So I asked him, can I pray for you? You know, I love to say, well, he was immediately healed. I don't know because I haven't seen him again. But you know what? That doesn't stop me from praying. What does his love flow through you? Does his love flow through you? I want to go on to 
one of my favorite chapters. God has just been really opening this up to me. Romans chapter 8. There are some dynamics I'd like to share. I don't know where I'm at time-wise, but that's okay. Oh, I see the time right there. Romans chapter 8. Do you know? I've been praying, Lord, show me what it means to walk in your spirit. Show me what it means to walk in your spirit. Because I don't want to walk in the flesh because that's Romans chapter 7. You know, I know what is right to do, but the things that I know what to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the things I do. A wretched man that I am, who will release me from, you know, you know. Who will release me from this body of death? And when I was a youth pastor, I used to, I did some digging, and you realize what the body of death is. Does anybody know what the body of death is? It's a Roman punishment. What they would do is they would take the dead body of the murdered, or of the murder victim, and they would tie it to the living body of the murderer until the murderer died. That gives a graphic example of what we're carrying around when we're carrying around our old man. Who will release me from this body of death? And you know, in, the, in Scripture, there are no divisions. He immediately goes into eight. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to him who is in Christ Jesus. Have you ever walked with guilt and shame? I have. And I read this scripture. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to him who is in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that? There is now, therefore, no condemnation. None. I'm not condemned. I walk as a son. And I was thinking, even the prodigal son, do you know what? He never stopped being a son. Even when he's sitting in the pig poop, he still was a son. There is now, therefore, no condemnation. I mean, we, I see people every day. How do I deal with them? I mean, I had a guy walk in. I mean, we have the weirdest services. I mean, you want to come and be in a weird service? Come and see what's going on. I mean, I, I, I remember preaching one night, and this guy in the front row, he's drunk, oh, drunk as a skunk, and every now and again he wakes up and tells me to shut up. You know, that's kind of what goes on sometimes. You've got to be prepared for that. It's not a place for if you want to just sit in the pew and get a good message. That's not what happens there. My son, God has begun to release him. It's really cool. God has been to release him in dealing with the demonic because we deal with demonic all the time. I mean, almost every service we're dealing with demonic. I had to, had to tell the guys to stop casting the demons out of this one guy because he wasn't allowing the Holy Spirit in. And when you cast the demons out and there's nothing there, more demons come in and then you've got to do it all over again. I said to tell him, okay, stop that. But my son, God has been going to release him with an authority in dealing with demonic. He's not afraid He's got no fear. He walks right into them and just, you know, he's like the Holy Spirit bouncer in the place. But that's kind of how we function. So when we walk in no condemnation, when we walk in that, we walk in a different dynamic. You don't come to church to see what you can get out of it. No. What was it done in the New Testament? You came, one came with a hymn, one came with a song, one came with a spiritual song. God's got to be doing something in your life. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? You can't get fed once a week. That's not good enough. I'm sorry. No, this is a full-time commitment. No matter what you're doing for a job, it's a full-time commitment because we are sons. You don't change being a son. Oh, today I'm a son and tomorrow I'm a slave. No, it's not. We are sons and daughters of the king. We walk in that authority. Most of us haven't figured that out. I know I haven't fully figured that out. I'm beginning to see little bits. But we walk in authority. 
that he's given us as we submit ourselves to the authority of the Holy Spirit. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We'll go back to who will release me from this body of death. We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer bound by the law of sin and death. I walk in freedom. You know what his word says? He who the sun sets free is what? Yeah. This isn't about going back. Why would you go back? I mean, Paul a number of times says, why do you go back to that law? Why do you go back? Who hath bewitched you, you old foolish Galatians? Why do you get back to circumcision? Why do you go back to all of that stuff? You know, we used to, we used to you know, people would become a Christian and we'd toss the book at them. Here's the rules. Go and live likewise. But that's not what God's about. No, because this is about a relationship. It's about a real, you know what? I don't have a desire to sin. That's not in me because I have a desire to be a son. Does that mean I never screw up? No, that's not the truth. I'm still battling with this body of death a little bit. But my identity is that I'm a son of the king. And I choose to walk in that identity. Then I'm a son of the king. And I want to share that all over the place, no matter where I am. We're riding our bikes a couple years ago, and we're down in Oregon. And in Oregon, they have to pump fuel for you. And we ride up, and my buddy's got this bike with scripture verses and eagles all over it. So we get a lot of ministry time as a result. You know, and the guy comes over. Actually, the pump attendant come over to me. He goes, are you, are you Christians? I said, yeah. What made you say that? No. <laughs> That's his bike. Are you a Christian? Yes. Will you pray for me? Huh. I, mean, I mean, we didn't look for him. And do you know what God did? We ministered to that young man for almost 20 minutes. And not a car came to his pumps. Because God had an appointment for him. Do you know what? In your life, every day, God can have appointments for you. These are Holy Spirit appointments, and I pray that over, over myself. I pray that over our fellowship. I pray that over in our lives. God, give me a Holy Spirit appointment today. Give me an opportunity to, to share your love with the people around me. Open the door so that I might bring kingdom. I mean, we pray it all the time. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We bring kingdom. We bring kingdom. But we begin to walk in the Spirit. And I was thinking about it one day, and I began to realize that, you know what, there's, do you know how there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? In our humanity, there's three parts to it. Spirit, soul, and body. When we come to the Lord initially, our spirit is saved. And then he begins to do a work in us. And you know where, where James says, work out your salvation. This is a working out in our soul. You know what our soul consists of? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. So when we begin to submit those to God, that's a working out of our salvation. That's a stepping into our sonship. Because my mind, my thoughts, his word says, take every thought captive and apply it 
to the obedience of Christ. My mind is the battlefield. I mean, have you ever read Francis Frangipane? The battlefield of mind. Understand, there's a war that goes on. That's why we need to take our thoughts captive. So we submit that to the Holy Spirit. Our emotions, too. Our emotions aren't what drive us. His truth is what motivates us. His truth is what we walk in. His word is what we walk in. Our emotions, as one of my counselors said at one time, our emotions need to be the caboose on the train. They'll follow along. But we walk in his truth. So what happens if you, don't, if you pray for somebody and they don't get healed? That means you stop praying because, you know what, that didn't work, so I'm never going to do that again. No. What is his truth? Lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. Walk in that. What is his truth? Know his word. That's why my sheep hear my voice. I need to know what his word says. Am I going to walk in his truth? Walk in his truth. Lay down our lives. So our mind, our will, ah, not my will, but your will be done. I pray that often. You know, Jesus prayed that. Not my will, but your will be done. Lord, if it's possible, will they let this cup pass from me? But not my will, but your will be done. Not my will. I mean, that needs to be our prayer as we submit our will to him. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And sometimes we look and think, okay, well, what is God's will? Should I marry this person or not? Should I do this business? No, no. Find, find a relationship with him. Function out of his will flowing through you. There's no question about what you need, where you need to walk. I mean, I have a question every now and again. Lord, where, you know, what's, where do we go from here? But you know what? I don't need to know about tomorrow. I'm praising him today. This moment. That's what he's given me. I can worry about it, but I don't even do that. Why, do, why would I do that? Why do you worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear? Your body's more than food. Your life is more than clothes. Consider the lilies of the valley. Even Solomon in all of his glory could not compare to one of these who is here today and burned in the ovens tomorrow. The heathen world runs after these things. And your father knows what you need. Do we trust our Father to that extent? Because this is our relationship. Your Father knows what you need. Your Father knows what you need. Walk in His Spirit. And if you screw up, get up and do it again. One of the guys, one of the guys, his name's Tyson. This is a guy that several times they've cast demons out of, and I've been praying with him every time he shows up because I never know when he's going to show up because he sometimes violates his parole and ends up in Peace River Institute, and then he comes back out, and I get to pray with him again. And he's got a lovely heart. He just hasn't worked it out on the outside. But that's okay. We keep loving him. And I was praying with him one day, and I shared the scripture with him. You know what the Bible says? A righteous man, whoop, that doesn't have a cap on it anymore. I did that today. I said to him, it says in Proverbs, a righteous man falls seven times and gets up. A fool falls and lies in the ditch. Which one are you going to be, Tyson? Keep getting up. Keep getting up. Keep coming. Because you know what? As you, as you get in relationship with him, deeper and deeper, he changes you. I don't want anybody changed for me. It's not good enough. No, I have no desire for anybody to change for me. 
get them in relationship with God and see the change happens. I mean, like this shaman lady who realized that the Ouija board was black, had to go and burn it. It's not our doing, that's the Holy Spirit's work. That's what he does. That's what he does. What's our job? Love. That's our job. Love. It's our job in our families. Love. It's our job in our, in our fellowship. Love. Greater love has no man than this. There you lay his life down for his friend. He has called us friends. What's our job in the world? Love. Do you know if you love somebody and you're walking into a restaurant and you see somebody in a cast and you're exhibiting God's love, you can't help but ask them if you can pray for them because his love is flowing through you and you see the potential in them according to how the Father sees them. Do you see them how the Father sees them? I know this might bring controversy, but has anybody ever seen the movie The Shack? I have a lady in my congregation that really mad at me because I really get a kick out of the way God reveals himself as a big black woman who likes to cook because, you know what, my God's bigger than that, and he can reveal himself any way he wants to reveal himself. That's up to him, not up to me. But anyway, in there, he goes before wisdom. He goes before wisdom. And God stands his two children in front of him and says, which one of these are you going to condemn to hell? And it gave me a new revelation of how God sees his creation. Remember two things. The enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's not people. Does that mean there aren't people that are influenced by the enemy? Yeah, there are people that are influenced by the enemy. But when God's love is, is flowing through his body and through his sons and daughters, it's going to revolutionize your community. Let me tell you something that happened to us. We have a building. It's called the Salt and Light Building. We minister to the street people a lot. And I was sat down with a, with a, with a young lady who was a waitress in one of the bars in town. And she looked at me and she said, you don't know what you guys are doing over there. She said, I'm not afraid to walk the streets at night anymore. Because the street people are courteous and are always telling me I need to go to the Salt and Light building. <laughs> I said, well, that's, that's really cool because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know the impact you have. That's why we walk according to his spirit. Hear his voice. Hear his voice. Walk according to his spirit. I'm going to read a little more. In Romans chapter 8, it says, For the, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Do you walk? How do you walk? How do you walk? You know, I asked earlier, who are you? Are you a son? What do you see yourself as? Do you see yourself as a son? Or, or, or you know what? I mean, 
oh, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner saved by grace. Is that how you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you see the Father's life flowing through you? Or are you stopped up? How do you see yourself? Because it's there. He's given it to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do you see yourself? That makes such a difference in how you're going to function. If you see yourself as that dirty, rotten sinner, you can't go and pray for anybody. Well, I'm not good enough. Why would God choose to use me? I'm just not good enough. And among a lot of us live there. I'm just not good enough. I mean, I battle that. I have to take those thoughts captive all the time. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I mean, the enemy loves to attack that one. And I respond to him saying, no, his word says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. His word says, if I humble myself before him and seek his face, and what does it say? I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to destroy you. Plans for a hope and a future. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? We begin to walk in his spirit. We begin to function in his spirit. I mean, John chapter 15 talks about abiding in the vine. Am I plugged in? I don't ever want to be unplugged. I mean, sometimes that's good as a band, but I don't ever want to be unplugged. I want to be plugged in. I want to abide in him. I want to live in him. You know what? And sometimes he prunes me. Because what he says, he disciplines those he loves. Sometimes he prunes me back and says, you know what, Garth? That wasn't such a good idea. I don't know. None of you have ever experienced that. But maybe that wasn't the best idea. But, you know, I'm kind of... What I told my, my congregation in Rainbow when they approached me and asked me to come and, and, and give them some leadership, I said, you guys need to know something about me. It's this, that if you take offense, I'm going to offend you. Yep. If your toes are out there, I'll likely step on them. I'm, I'm a little like a bull in a china shop. And I'm a great slaughterer of sacred cows. I love to slaughter sacred cows. Because if it's not in his word, it doesn't matter. And we were meeting at 11 o'clock. Do you know why the church chose to meet at 11 o'clock? Anybody know? I read this in a Keith Green thing years ago. Martin Luther, when he split from the Catholic Church, liked to tip a few the night before because he was German. And 9 o'clock mass was just way too early. So they moved it to 10 and even 10 was too early, so it eventually ended up at 11 o'clock, and that's how we got meeting at 11 o'clock. <laughs> Most churches, you know, thinking, but is it of God? That really doesn't matter when we meet. What matters is that we meet, that we walk as a body, and we hear his voice. And I love what goes on here. We hear his voice. We share what his voice is saying. I mean, one of the special things about being up north, you never know who's going to preach. Because there's five or six guys that, you know what, God's really given me something today, so I'm going to just share that. And sometimes I come prepared, I'm generally prepared, but there's lots of times where by the time we get done, everybody gets done sharing, I don't have to say anything, because you know what, they've said everything I was going to say. One comes with a hymn, one comes with a song. Come prepared, rather than come to consume. 
That's going to change the dynamic of this body if you come prepared to give rather than coming to consume. And if you walk out of here and ever say, well, I didn't get anything out of that. That means you didn't put anything in. That means you weren't engaged in what was going on. You know, I had a guy come to me one day and said, I mean, a good friend of mine, I ride with him and, and stuff like that. And he came to me and says, well, you know what? I just don't get anything out of your services. I said, well, that's okay. I guess you're not supposed to be there. Because we're not here to get anything out. We're here to put in. We're here to pour out to this community. We're here to be a light. We're here to be the salt of the earth. We're not here to see what I can get out of it because that's wrong thinking. That's how you get Nicolaitans up there. I'm going to lead because I'm going to be the word of God to you. No. You need to hear his voice. You need to hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. And as strangers they will not follow. Because it's important for you to be in that kind of relationship. Everyone in that kind of relationship with the Most High. To hear his voice. To walk humbly before God. To walk in his spirit. To know what his spirit is saying. To be submitted to his work in your life. You want to have a wild, dramatic life? I mean, I grew up with a father who does wild and dramatic things at times. I mean, you probably all heard some of his stories. Some of you have walked some of that with him. But it's never boring. Living in the spirit. It's never boring following where he sends you to go. Sometimes I think, Lord, I think sometimes you've given me too much. I'm not sure how to handle this. But he'll, he'll stretch you. He'll stretch you. Because he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you that goes beyond, well, maybe you can't imagine it. But if you're here, you've still got a plan. I remember when my wife passed about five years ago. I'm riding my bike. I ride my bike all the time. I was riding my bike south of town, and I was just praying and saying, God, I don't know what to do. I mean, we had plans. We had, we had a way we were going to go. Um, I mean, we had, we had it worked out, and now she's gone home. And I didn't grieve for her because, you know what, she's happy. There's, she's got all joy. But I felt a little sorry for myself because I wanted to be there too. But I said, God, but he said to me, because you're still here, I still have a plan. I said, okay, Lord, show me your plan. But first he showed me her. And it was, it was like I'm having a vision while I'm riding my bike. And I didn't close my eyes, I'm sure. But he showed me her running across the throne room. And this young lady had been a missionary overseas for almost 18 years. We had gone back to Taiwan as a, Taiwan as a couple. I mean, we had an amazing four years. I mean, we traveled like crazy and did what God was saying to do. And then she was gone. And he showed me her running across the throne room, hopping up on Father God's lap, and him looking down. She always had father issues because her dad wasn't very demonstrative looking down at her and saying, welcome home, well done, well done, well done. Are we hearing his voice? Do we walk according to his spirit? Oh, Lord, well done. Do you know he loves you more than you can imagine? I don't even understand the depths of his love. 
I don't understand how he can love me. I don't understand how he can lay down his life for me. I don't understand how much he desires to be in relationship with me. I don't understand, but I want to know. I want to know. And he desires that for everyone. He made us individuals for a purpose. You know, they say, well, when they made you, they broke the mold. But you know what? When he made every one of you, he broke the mold. There's no, I'm the same as you. No, there's no doppelganger effect. When he made you, he broke the mold because he wanted relationship with you individually. He wanted to speak with you. He wanted to commune with you. And you know what? Sometimes when we pray, we do it a little wrong because we bring our list to him and we bring it to him like Santa Claus and we jump up on his knee like a little kid would and say, I want this and this and this and this and this and then we're gone. But what happens when we begin to wait on him? You know what? He's got more to say than, than I do. And what he has to say is more important than what I do. He knows what I need. But I need to hear what he's saying. I need to hear what he's saying. Years ago, I was pastoring in um, Cranbrook, B.C., and I was teaching a group of youth that. And it's an interesting group because when I went there, God said to me, you're going to do youth like you'd never done it before. And this is how we did youth. We cut off all the events. Didn't have a single event. Anytime I'd plan an event, I'd try once in a while. to plan an event, nobody would show. Really weird. But we did an outreach where we had a 14,000-square-foot youth center, and we did worship on Wednesday night where 250 kids would show up for worship on Wednesday night. There was a move of God going on. There was a move of God going on, and I would, I would say to them regularly, you need to hear God's voice, and if you hear God's voice, come share what God's voice is saying. And about the time Columbine happened, you remember when Columbine happened? At the time Columbine happened, we were having a Wednesday night. And I had this young man come up. I think God is saying this. And then, so I said, no, share it, with, share it with us. I think what God is saying is we need to go and pray around our schools because there's potential of this being released in our schools, and we want to bring protection. So we shut down, and we went and walked around the schools. And we went back, and I had a young lady come to me, and I think, she said, I think what God is saying to me is that, is that we need to do this like, like Jericho for seven days. And I thought, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So we started. I thought, okay, I don't know how many kids are going to show up. But we started with about 150. I think by the end of the week, there was about 300 coming, praying around the schools. We had the media out there asking these kids, what are you doing and why are you doing it? After that, we started to see kids walk into our Wednesday nights because we didn't have air conditioning in the building. We had this big old barn, and we'd open the doors, and the music would go out, and we had kids walk in off the street. And without anybody speaking to them, because the Spirit was there as we worshipped, they, they would come to the Lord. They would get saved. And a young man get filled with the Holy Spirit just sitting, in the, sitting there in the worship. Started manifesting in tongues, started, started functioning in that dynamic. I mean, this is what God does. Not me i got to listen to him because he told me, we're going to do this differently. i got a different plan here. I mean, I'm involved at that time almost 20 years in, in youth ministry. And, it's, and he said, no, you're going to do it differently. I said, okay, Lord, show me. And that's what we do. Okay, Lord, show me. Because he speaks. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Okay, Lord, show me. Show me, Lord. 
Not my will, but your will be done. Let me walk in that. Let me walk in that grace. I think we're going to end right there tonight. I know I challenged your hearts because it challenges my heart every time I start speaking about relationship with him. That's the priority. Nothing else. Everything else flows out of that. Relationship with him. If you don't know him, I mean, you can even function in the gifts. I mean, if they look at the sheep and the goats, came to him and said, didn't we do this and this and this in your name? But I didn't know you. I mean, in a biblical sense, I didn't know you. This is an intimacy. This is beyond just knowing about. I didn't know you. I want to know you. I want to walk in that dynamic where I know you. I know you, and I hear your voice, and I act on what you're saying, and I'll live my life that way. I'll live my life that way. Let's focus on him. Lord, that is my desire for this fellowship. It's been such a blessing to me over the years that they would know you in the fullness of who you are and they would walk as sons and daughters and that Spruce Grove would never be the same again because sons and daughters would begin to manifest from this place flowing in your love in ways that is never experienced in this town. In ways that have never experienced in this town. Lord, that your love would begin to flow through and we would see the manifestations of your love, not because we seek the manifestations, but because we are in your face. Oh, Lord, that is my desire. And he says to you, my children, if you choose to walk this way, this place won't be empty ever. If you choose to walk this way, you will be a light. You will be the salt. You will walk in humility before me. And I will say to you in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans for you. Plans to prosper you and not to destroy you. Plans for hope and a future. I know what I have for you. And I pray that blessing over you today. Seek his face. Hear his voice. Walk in his spirit. Die to the flesh. That's the hardest thing sometimes. Die to the flesh. And be released in the freedom that the Son gives. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. It was for freedom. We walk in liberty. Why would we go back to walking anywhere else? This is not about a religion. This is about a relationship with the Most High. Thank you, Lord, in your name. I don't do this too often, but uh, I just wanted to thank you, Garth, for not fitting the mold. <laughs> uh, we kind of have a mold that we fit as Christians, and I know I'm kind of moldy sometimes. <laughs> so I'm going to be unmoldy this morning. So uh, you remember when it came up here and Rick was diagnosed with cancer? Well, I remember what the um, 
uh, fellow said who tested Vic first, he said uh, this tumor could, is fairly large and it could have been there for about seven years. I want you to know that when we prayed, Garth was here that morning and he said, I heard this voice saying, shrink <laughs> really loud about three times. I don't know if anybody else remembers, but I did. And when Rick had that tumor out, the doctor said, this tumor is small and early, and you will be okay. <laughs> so I wanted to praise God for you, Garth. And Rick said to me the other day, you know, I think that thing might have shrunk. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Garth, thank you. Yeah, we were talking about that before the service, right? Because that was a powerful time. You know, I was just a few things went through my mind as, you know, just in closing here. And one of them was, I remember Smith Wigglesworth always saying, I never pray for more than five minutes at a time. But I never go five minutes without praying. And I've always loved that. Because it's what Gar's saying. It's all about a relationship, right? Church is church. But if you don't engage in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it falls apart pretty quick. And so ultimately, we have to remember this. This is the key to all of our journey, is it's the relationship and the identity in Jesus Christ, because he can take us through all things. So powerful, so powerful. I actually remember uh, going to Cranbrook a few times with Garth when I was a youth pastor here. I think, Paul, you may have gone there. I'm not sure if Lindsay went or not on our ski trips, but we used to do ski trips out there and stuff, and we got to see what God was doing through your ministry there, and it truly was a blessing I remember to be part of that in those days, right? So really good. Uh, well, I want to pray for this guy, and I want our church to pray for him. Um, I just wanted to say this, you know, is you're in high level, right? Yeah. Yeah, high level. High level is in a very interesting place. Yeah. Has anybody been to high level? A few of you. I'm so thankful that this man has accepted the call there because the people in high level need Jesus. And he is in the perfect spot that he needs to be in right now. And God is using this man in that area. And uh, I just felt as you were preaching today that the Lord wanted you to know that you're not alone, mm. right? That you're not by yourself in that community and that your family right here is with you, yeah. that we partner with you in everything you do mm. and that we have your back. And uh, we know that God is going to use you in that community and he's already using you. And so we want you to know that I just feel like God is saying, thank you for being obedient, right? Thank you for being faithful. And he is going to bless you for your faithfulness. It has not been easy. I know it's been hard. But I just sense it so strongly right now, the Lord. I just see him smiling upon you. And he's so thankful that you said yes, right? So thankful. And so, God, right now we just stretch our hands towards this man. We say thank you for his obedience, God for his faithfulness to say yes to Jesus. And Father God, you have used this vessel to touch lives, God. You have used this man to uh, bring the message of salvation to a community that is in need of salvation. You have used this man to bring healing to a community that is in need of healing, God. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would continue to fill him up with your Holy Spirit. Give him the strength he needs to continue to be the man that you've called him to be in this community, Father God. Bless him and give him strength and vision. When he's tired, that you will be the one who lifts up his arms, God, that you will continue to guide him in every single thing he does, God. And Father, right now we pray for April as well, God. Father, bless April. 
Use April gods. And, Father, I just sense it and I see it. These 30-plus thousand aboriginal people, I see salvation coming to them in the name of Jesus. And we speak salvation in the name of Jesus to these community, God. And we thank you for this man in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.